So the clocks did a weird thing, and now it's light outside. Uh, well, enjoy this while you can, because it's all going to change, TJ. The European community, or the, uh, sorry, the European Union, the EU, which the UK may or may not be a part of, um, is uh, scheduled to abandon daylight saving time. <gasps> exactly. A sharp intake of breath. <laughs> Collectively, around the Europe. Mm. Um, yeah, I must admit, I have never learned when it was. Like Easter, I have reached uh, the grand old age of 27 without working out how that works or when it is. It just happens, and I'm aware of it at the time. Well, it, I mean, it's um, it's become a sort of British obsession, hasn't it? It's it's a bit like the weather. Um, for for <laughs> the a couple other great of British obsession, exactly. Yeah, for a couple of weeks, there is no other topic of conversation that's permissible other than don't forget that the clocks are going back or going forward. Is it forward or is it back? <laughs> They're going. They went forward by one R. But that doesn't prevent you having at least 37 conversations around no. which, whether it's going forwards or backwards. <laughs> and, that, and also that oh, the evenings, they're getting lighter. They're uh, getting lighter tonight. Absolutely. Because um, I, I, <laughs> I said to my wife, I said, well, they're talking about getting rid of it in the EU. And she went, what? No more light evenings? <laughs> and I said, no, no, I mean, the sun will continue to go down a little bit later in, in the summer. And that's all to yeah, do. Yeah, that's the light off. Sorry. Just um, the big light bulb. <laughs> the big light bulb. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it is a big thing. It happened, fortunately, it happened here at the same time as it happened everywhere else that I sort of um, do business with. So oh, I did wonder. Didn't get too confusing for me, although the US changed, I think, a few weeks back. Yeah, I remember that. I was picking Meg up. Meg has just finished her show in the Opera House and she was amazing. It was really, really good. And she had her little night out with the rest of the cast on Saturday. Uh, so I, I said, look, don't worry about it. I will come and pick you up. Whatever time, just let me know. And so I, I went to pick her up. Uh, and I think the, the bar restaurant that she was in was doing last calls. And I was aiming to be there at about you know, five, ten past one. And at the time I arrived, the clocks then moved. So in the space of five minutes, I was an hour late. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate timing, isn't it? <laughs> so it was like, oh, did the bar close half an hour ago? Or did I? Time is immutable and also strange. What is happening? Please get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, he's he's had he's had a temporal breakdown picking up mm, his fiance. Yeah, it bamboozled me. But clocks aside, daylight savings aside. Are you writing with and on anything? Oh, I am indeed. I am indeed. I'm. Uh, I rediscovered because uh, I had a sort of slight uh, lost notebook crisis. Um, oh but dear! I, but I managed to, to find it again. So I'm still in the night sky, which has been a bit quiet nice. for a few days. It's been sort of uh, subbed by a Leuchtturm. Um, I've got my little Palomino Golden Bear, which is love uh, that pencil. Yeah, not quite a Steinbeck. It's you know, it's really comfortable sort of writing length. Like, you know? Um, and I've got uh, all sorts of you know pads of paper and all sorts of stuff going because I've reorganised my office. But we'll come back to that later. What about you? Oh, that I've actually done exactly the same thing. So maybe we can have office chat. Oh, well, there you go. Mm, great minds. Uh, I'm writing. Well, right now I'm not writing with what I've written in show notes because this is what happens. I write the show notes at one stage and then we do the show at another. Uh, I'm writing in work with a Steeler tradition, which I sort of pulled out and found in my stash. Uh, and I'm not writing in them yet because I want to do my video on them first. 
but I have the Field Notes mile marker and Nomad Conspiracy that I uh, purchased from Nero's. So they arrived and look fantastic. And I'm hopefully going to do a video on both both sets. Uh, so I've written the video, but I want to I want to get the the shots, the nice shots, before I start sullying them with my handwriting. Um, so I'm writing in just scraps of paper in our normal show notes, Rudia. Uh, at the minute, right now, I'm writing with a very beaten and abused Blackwing Pearl that I actually find in the utility cupboard downstairs. And if I said it had a blunted uh, nib, a blunted uh, tip, that would be somewhat generous. It it was mangled beyond all repair uh, because I'd used it to mark the holes for a shelf that I was drilling. And so it got sort of jammed into the, the screw hole to mark the wall behind and was unrecognizable as a pencil. Uh, and so it's been sharpened. So it's substantially shorter, but not actually sharp. A well-worked pencil. It's earned its mm-hmm. keep. Exactly. Well, for Blackwings, you got to get your uh, price per pencil sketch, price per sentence. Oh, don't, don't start me off. Don't start me off on Blackwing. But <laughs> by, the, by the time this episode goes out, I'm cautiously optimistic that the Volumes 8, 11 will either be in stock or imminent. Uh, mm, okay, nat- that's good. Naturals, on the other hand, nah. Nah, no nah, bueno. Nah, nah, nah. Let's, we don't like naturals uh, in any month with an R in it. They're a bit like oysters. <laughs> oh, dear. <sighs> Wait. Am I... Is there a month with... I think that's the joke. I'm trying to... I think I've just brain-addled now. <laughs> no, no, no. May, June, July, August. I don't know how you spell them. Without an R. Love <laughs> 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 sticking sticking vials and R's and things, but yeah, it's fine. It's a, <laughs> much the same as oysters. Um black black wing <laughs> naturals will will only appear in those months. So they're the opposite of oysters. There you go. And what's next? What are we doing after after that? We do, oh, watching, watching. Well, yeah, I'm really boring. I'm still watching Blacklist because there are an yeah. enormous amount of them. Um, they're still still really good. Um, uh, they're they're becoming extremely formulaic, but that's probably not their fault. That's my fault for watching them all in a row. Um, yeah, you've kind of picked up on the tropes. Yeah, you get that sort of ten minute intro where the the whole thing is set up. Then you get the aborted raid when a bunch of guys in body armor and uh, FBI emblazoned all over them go charging into a house and go, nope, definitely not here. Um, not here. And, uh, and then it all sort of unfolds from there. Uh, and I was watching a fair amount of golf over the weekend because it's been a bit, uh, how can I put this? The weather is uh, bleed awful. It's horrible here. <laughs> it's, it's not stopped raining. So it's it's indoor cold. Weather. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so curled up in front of um, Netflix and sport on TV. Perfect. What about you? I've you watched anything? Much the same. Yeah, I've watched a couple of movies. Um, when Meg was at her party, I went around and uh, hung out with my dad and my brothers, and we watched Thunderbird 6, which is a 1960s Thunderbirds film, uh, which is mannequins and puppets and small-scale models of rocket ships. Fantastic. Oh, it's class. It's it's a proper terrible, awful film. Like in terms of twenty uh, first century film studies, it's not very good. But my childhood was Captain Scarlet and Thunderbirds, so it was just fantastic. Uh, and then we followed that up with Demolition Man, the Wesley Snipes and uh, 
what do you call him? What your, what's your man's name, Rambo? Uh, that would be Sylvester Stallone, yeah. Uh, big Sylvester. So the two of them in Demolition Man, another excellent film from my childhood with uh, really excellent sort of weird dystopian utopia. Like every, no one can swear. Everyone's really like gentle and, and doesn't want to offend. And it's quite a, it's quite a funny satirical take on, you know, the Star Trek idea of optimism and utopia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what if everyone's lovely and nice and friendly? And that's that's amazing until someone who isn't comes along and it, it, it doesn't doesn't really work. For sure. Uh, so really good film. Really enjoyed it. Again, not exactly cinematic masterpiece, quite formulaic, quite very much an 80s film, even though it was made in like 93. Mm-hmm. Um, just good fun, though. Really good fun. Cool. And has there been uh, any music in the TJ world? Uh, bits and pieces. Um, mostly just whatever's on. It's To be honest, 99% of it's Lord Huron. Because I, I'm not trying to think about new music. I'm just like, fire that on. And Spotify will gladly play the old playlist that I have. There's a couple of songs I'm kind of uh, eking through rotation and finding new and weird stuff um, in my Spotify playlist. Let me, let me actually quickly check. Because there's a couple of songs that I find that are distinctly different from the stuff I would normally listen to. All right. And I can find them. They're just individual songs that I've saved. Um, Blitzkrieg Baby by Fred Fisher, which is like an old school uh, World War II parody kind of song. Okay. Uh, and then a couple of traditional Irish songs, which are really, really nice. Red is the Rose and The Parting Glass, which uh-huh. kind of Celtic specials. Yeah. Red is the uh, Rose, I certainly know. Yep. Both excellent songs. Really, really nice. And Istanbul, not Constantinople. Sorry, was that another, another. just just a random sort of instruction for me, or was that a song? <laughs> That's a song, Istanbul, not Constantinople. Okay. You never heard that one? Uh, I don't think I've heard the song, no. I think it's... I'm, I, you might have. You might have. Istanbul, not Constantinople. Uh, yeah, I can't remember any of the lyrics on air, but it's a good wee song. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes so you can listen afterwards. Yeah, uh, you we'll probably do. have heard it before. It's one of those tropey ones that kind of crops up every now and again. Okay. Uh, well, I haven't been listening to much. We've discovered that Spice, uh, the small dog, uh, she seems to quite like a little bit of chill jazz. So um, <laughs> in, cool. in the modern fashion, when we go out, um, we put some we put a playlist on for the dog uh, to keep her oh, keep sorry. her company while we're golfing or dinnering or whatever we're doing. And uh, chill jazz seems to be the thing that, uh, you know, we come back <laughs> and she's smoking a cigarette. Leather jacket, wearing shades, just looking pretty, pretty <laughs> happy. With life. Yeah, you know. Uh, so, but as a consequence, being sort of inherently lazy, I tend to sort of walk in, um, say hello to the dog, and not turn the playlist off, and suddenly find myself <laughs> listening to chill jazz for hours and uh, hours and hours. You um, need to start slouching further, further back in your chair. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps, or oh, oh, just get a, a sort of random set of playlists for for the dog. <laughs> there we go. There's another way I can procrastinate. Sorry, I'm far too busy. I'm doing playlists for the dog. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and other than that, not much. I'm a little bit behind in my podcasts, but I dare say that will be turned around quickly enough. And about you, you listening to any uh, podcasts? Yeah, D and D ones at the minute. So. A couple of uh, fun D&D podcasts which are always enjoyable for the commute. So I was kind of trying to bridge the gap between finishing my book and starting a new book. Um, 
because I hadn't got the credit. I don't want to buy new credits because I don't want to read, you know, three or four of these a week or a mm-hmm. month. I don't want to tear through them. I'm trying to deliberately do one a month. So that D&D podcast was nice for kind of filling the gap there. Okay. And then uh, speaking of podcasts, the Take Note podcast, their newsletter arrived yesterday, I think, or today. Mm-hmm. So I haven't read through it fully, but it arrived. I had a quick look and it looks good. So I'm excited to, to dig into that. Yeah, it's a, so, yeah, it's a nice wee thing um, amongst all the dross that comes into your inbox. It's nice to get something that's nice. A little bit something different, yeah. So, what about reading? Uh, well, I'm I'm sort of trundling on through. I'm I'm getting there. I'm reading very slowly at the moment, which is not like me. But um, yep, still in Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, uh, which is mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mr. Newport stuff is quite prescriptive. Um, he he. You know, he makes an argument. I mean, quite cogently and you know, coherently. That's fine. Um, I, I get the impression he doesn't brook much debate. <laughs> Here you are. This is the way to do it. I've looked there at everything. Are no alternatives. I've looked at everything, and this is what it all means. Um, and <laughs> I'm not quite sure that's how the world works, but no, fair enough. It's, I mean, it's a it's a very thought provoking book, so that's good. Uh, and All the Birds in the Sky is very thought-provoking for completely different reasons. And uh, it's it's a quite an interesting juxtaposition to read a sort of, you know, um, I mean, Cal Newport's style is not overly academic, but, you know, it it is around making an argument and looking at evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, whilst All the Birds in the Sky, well, there's, there's there's a young woman talking to the birds and the trees, which oh. is slightly different, if you see what I mean. <laughs> Just a bit. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> what about you? Reading anything? Uh, I had a busy, busy weekend. Actually, I was working on Saturday. We had an event on, so I didn't really have an awful lot of time to myself. It's kind of been a bit compressed and squished. Uh, so I didn't get to read any more of Tool, even though I really wanted to, because I kind of got back into reading it last weekend. I really enjoyed it, but then just didn't have time. Uh, I did buy my new audiobook with my credit, and inspired by last month's book, uh, I bought The Long Path which is a Terry Pratchett co-authorship one with Stephen Baxter, very okay. famous sci-fi author. Um, so similar vein, he's sort of co-written this book and it's the the quirkiness and the fun characters of Terry Pratchett in a world of science fiction by Stephen Baxter, which is kind of my jam. I really enjoyed the characterization. I think that was my favorite part of the previous book, Good Omens, and getting that, but in a world of sci-fi that I really enjoy anyway. It's going to be a different experience. It's a bit of a trial. This is a series of books. I may well read the others, but I just want to see if, is it his writing of characters that I really enjoy or was it just that one book? Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So a bit of a test, but I'm looking forward to it. The, the sample I listened to was really good. I, I cannot listen to bad narrators on audiobooks. I give up immediately. I will just not purchase the book. There's a couple of books I really want to read and I'm going to have to go old school and, uh, kill some trees to get it done because the 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 sort of narrators they've picked are not going to sit well with me Uh uh-huh just not not for their they haven't done anything wrong i just don't like their voice and couldn't listen to it for a long time sure Uh, i mean it's you're right it's off-putting if it's off-putting then you won't you won't listen and exactly waste time exactly ah drinking well uh i'm um, i'm about to go to the fridge actually when you start your answer but uh i've just Mm -hmm. Just seen off a uh, a small Carlsberg, which is, uh, I think we've been through this, one of the big breweries on the island. Um, mm-hmm. I was tempted to have a coffee because it really is, it is very, I bet my weather is very similar to yours, um, which 
is unusual for this part of the world, but I'm getting bored of saying that now. So, Should we uh, do a live temperature comparison? I'll do... Uh, I'll, uh, I'm checking my weather. Hold on. Yeah, I, I don't have right. my my uh oh, okay. watch in it. I actually know no, I can do, I can do it for you. No, I'm 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 doing it as we speak. You'll hear it. <laughs> okay, you got a couple of degrees on me. Um yeah, it's raining and 12 degrees. Burr. Yeah. Thank you. Uh it is 8 degrees here. Mm-hmm. Uh clear with periodic clouds, precipitation 16%, humidity 77 and 8 miles per hour wind. No, there you go. So I'm I'm wetter than you. <laughs> Which is not something I would expect to be saying about uh, Cyprus and Northern Ireland, but there you are. No, no. But uh, our clocks moved, did I tell you that? Yeah, so you may have mentioned it. <laughs> <clears throat> what so, about you? You drink anything? Oh, but yeah, I am actually uh, not inspired by you, although we obviously thought exactly the same thing. Uh, I went and was going to have water, and I, I very much pulled out the water bottle and had it ready to go. And then completely ignored it and went for an, a rock shore, which is an Irish lager. Uh, and it's really, really good. Uh, I normally try not to drink during the weekdays. It's a school night. Um, but I don't know. It's a, it's a beer kind of day. So I'm enjoying my, my cold rock shore, which is an Irish lager. I think it's brewed by the people who make Guinness. Um, and it's really, really good. I've had a couple in the fridge for a while. Yeah, fantastic. Well, there we go. So we're having a beer together, in a manner of speaking. Exactly. Well, we can clink transatlantically. There we go. Well, let's not do transatlantic, but um, perhaps the med. No, it's all the same. You just could keep going one way and you'll reach it. I suppose eventually. Yes, you're right. <laughs> uh, purchasing? Uh, purchasing, purchasing. Oh, I don't know, really. Am I purchasing anything? Uh, oh, yes, I suppose um, uh, a new lease. So uh, Nero's Notes uh, is on the move. The uh, HQ. Uh, in the UK, uh, we're going to cross the county line and go from Hampshire to Wiltshire. Mm. Um, essentially, uh, the the place that we're in is a bit big without me um, because I filled quite a lot of the space. Um, and it's not ideal for Claire because Molly has reached that age where they change school. So... Um, Coming to Andover had worked out okay for Claire because of where Molly's school was, but now Molly's school is moving. It's no longer really very handy for her to come to Andover, and she only does a couple of hours each day, so it was going to be really inconvenient, etc., etc., etc. So we're moving, um, which is great. There'll be um, Claire will be able to walk to work as well. Um, That's fantastic. So that will reduce our carbon footprint and all that sort of good jazz. Um, and uh, from the uh, small business owner point of view, the rent is going down. Um, Hooray! We, yeah, we like that sort of stuff. Um, so that, that's that been a little bit of, um, oh, well, there's still quite a lot of toing and fro, working out what to do with this, buy yeah. this, sell that. Uh, how do we move this from here to there and all that sort of jazz. Does it spark joy? <laughs> exactly. Well, at, the mo- <laughs> at the moment, I think Claire is looking around at all of the crap that I've accumulated. Go, I'll sell that. I'll sell that. <laughs> I've told him I'll sell that. I'll, I'll tell him that that You're going to make sold. a profit from this move? Yeah. <laughs> she spoke to me on the phone and said, well, how much do you want for, for this? And I said, well, if you don't sell it, then I'm going to have to pay someone to move it. So you know, get, what, get what you can, really. Um, <laughs> which I think was the correct answer. Um, I often find that um, I'm being 
maneuvered into the correct answer by people in my life. Um, <laughs> and on this occasion, it was, it was quite rare. I, I actually got it all right. I gave all the right answers first time. No need for correction. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that, that's been by. And uh, as I touched on earlier, I've sort of reconfigured uh, down here. So I'm now speaking to you. Uh, I'm I'm on my feet. I'm standing. Uh, standing desk. Well, I just go. I had uh, or I have an IKEA desk that you can sort of adjust, so you can wind it up or wind it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, nobody ever winds it. So once you set up one of those desks, and I think this is actually still true of the electric ones as well. Once you set one up, it's never ever going to move. And, and <laughs> if you think it's going to move. You are deluding yourself. You are lying to yourself. You are not going to move it. Um, so we we actually got some in work not that long ago. I ordered them for a lab. And uh, there was a guy working on one. And we have the electric ones. And so every time he turned around to do something else, I lowered his desk by about an inch. <laughs> and so over the course of about 20 minutes, he, we went like, he was standing when he started. And he was like, what is happening? He couldn't work out what was happening, why the desk was so low. Until he stood back and went, it's a full foot lower than it was. <laughs> so I, they do move, but only when you're being malicious. I say, yeah, apart from malicious um, <laughs> university stuff, <laughs> they never move. So what had happened was that I'd got mine set up um, for for seating because I found that standing all day was really bad. Um, and yeah. I, it was never, ever going up. So... What I've done now is I've put the computer, which I would say it's a desktop. It's not. It's a laptop, but it's set up with a monitor and stuff. So that's yeah. actually on one of the shelving units um, with the um, whatever this mat is called, standing mat thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's a little sort of workstation of its own. The microphone is there and uh, all of that stuff. Uh, and then my sitting desk, i.e. the adjustable desk, is now the other side of the room. Um, and that's kind of much more analog. Um, I do have my iPad over there, but um, that's where I sit down and write with a pen on paper or even with a pencil, that sort of thing. Um, and I've got a big IKEA armchair in the middle of the the room. So that's where I, um, in inverted commas, I'm doing air quotes at the microphone again. Um, that, that's, <laughs> Just tell me every time and it still works. That, that's where I meditate, um, which is... The reason that's in air quotes is that it's a 10-minute meditation. And for the last six attempts, I have not made it to the end of the 10 minutes. Uh, Not because I've got distracted or stressed, but because I've just gone to sleep. (laughs) Woken up (laughs) an hour and a half later. I meditated too well. Yes, I'm full of inner (laughs) peace, apart from the snoring. Um, uh, So there we go. Yeah, it's... it's a bit boring now. Everything is sort of all the way round the outside of the office, uh, but it is much more efficient. Um, You've given me ideas, actually, because I, unbeknownst to either of us, we've both done exactly the same thing in terms of re- modulating the, the office space. Because yesterday, uh, or was it the day before? Anyway, this weekend, I moved my desk around. I didn't like the way it was. I had basically the, the MacBook floating in the, the abyss of white table mm-hmm. and it wasn't really working and I didn't really like it. And so I now I have my MacBook on a a little stand that raises it up. I have one of my LED monitors to the left of it. So I've got a dual monitor set up again. Uh, I have my two IKEA lights with the smart color bulbs in them. They were there before. 
And then I picked up a really nice, huge uh, black mouse mat from Amazon. And that kind of is my nice desk material. And you might have heard earlier, I have a mechanical keyboard in here again. It sounds Oh, yes, wonderful. I heard that. I thought you were just hitting it with sound it effects. <laughs> it's brilliant, uh, but it's noisy. So it's terrible for podcasting, but very good for fun. Uh, so I have that on my nice uh, Logitech MX, MX Master mouse. So I now have a really nice desk setup that actually works. Uh, it's still not finished. You've given me a few ideas even when we were chatting there. Um, so at the minute I record the podcast here on the on the laptop and I'm thinking, oh, I was thinking about getting a nice office, like a Mad Men-esque armchair for the back of the room that I could just sort of sit in and swill whiskey meaningfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also looking at podcast boom arms from my microphone. I'm thinking, hmm, oh, well, like, podcasting I, from an armchair. I, I, bought, I bought one of the boom arms. I can recommend the one yeah. I bought, the Rode thing. Or That's the one I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I got a cheap one for almost nothing, and there's a reason why it's a cheap one. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, no, this one's great, and you can um, you can mount the camera on it as well. Oh, okay. if you want to do your uh, so yeah overheads and stuff, the top downs and over your flat lays as they were. Yep. If but you... uh, yeah, I've got a few ideas. No, yeah, jolly good. Well, there you go. It must be something in the air, mate. It's it's some sort of mm. spring thing. Clearly, <laughs> the clocks have moved. My temporal clock is gone so i'm like ah, i better rearrange everything everything's gonna move indeed indeed i'm just looking through the notes here. yeah oh okay, yeah. life changes parish notices i i think i've probably mentioned that i'm in thermals which is a mental image that some people are going to struggle <laughs> with but I, I do apologize um i actually got i was out on the golf course with uh, the current mrs lennon earlier and um the heavens opened and she she immediately had the good sense to to beckon to a marshal, come here, my man, and take me to the clubhouse immediately, um, <laughs> which he did. Excellent. He they they sort of rigged her trolley in some way and they got her on the buggy and whoosh, she was back having a coffee, uh, and I I soldiered on bravely. Um, uh, I I am quite a sight. I I don't know if we've been through this, but I've. I've taken to wearing uh, plus twos, so those are. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, they're they're um, the Americans would call them uh, knickerbockers. Uh, oh yeah, Payne Stewart was a very famous uh, American golfer that used to wear them. So they come two inches below the knee, hence the name plus twos. And I wear them because um, I have to wear compression stockings. I think we've definitely covered that, uh, and I thought I would lean into it. So. I have bright pink uh, stockings and then some very pink, white, sort of checked bloomers, a pink shirt. Uh, and I forget that everybody at the club, the members are all used to this idiot because I've got three or four uh, different outfits that are all coordinated, have matching hats, the whole the whole shebang. And they're used to it now. Oh, look, it's the fat bloke with the silly clothes. Easy. <laughs> Visitors, on the other hand, they can't help but stop and stare. And and because I've forgotten that I'm wearing it, I'm wondering along, what's the matter with her? What's she look? Oh, yes, it's the pink. Yes. Hello, love. Yes, I'm wearing pink. <laughs> um, so, yes. I, I These are of- really stylish. I'm looking on Google Images and uh, my goodness, if you don't look like some sort of huntsman or a golfer, you look like some sort of um, American uh, revolutionary. It, it's quite astounding. Yeah, uh, the, uh, Royal and Awesome uh, is my uh, is my supplier. 
Um, Royal Awesome. Royal and Awesome. Yeah. Now they they really do have some bright outfits. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that. Yeah, the '60s threw up on these bad boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I say, I've got I've got three or four of those, and I fully intend to buy more. Um, wow. So yeah, I I stumbled through the rain uh, to the end, and uh, you take all of that sort of bright pink and and drench it. Uh, <laughs> salmon. Mm, yeah, <laughs> indeed. This sort of this, a salmon that's overeaten. Um, <laughs> And yeah, in the show notes, I said, I blame Brexit. Uh, I think that all of the current uh, climate issues in Cyprus are related to Brexit, <laughs> which, as we record, uh, is either happening, is happening very soft, happening very hard, or, or we're going to have a general election, or we're all going to vote again. Although I won't be entitled to do any of that because I don't live in the country anymore. Um, mm. That's at the time of recording. At the time of listening... It's probably old news. We've probably become, Who knows? I don't know, part of the CIS or uh, who knows. Anyway. Um, yeah, funny enough, as you say that, there was um, naked protesters in uh, Westminster yes. protesting climate change. I, I saw that. So, I mean, it, there's only one reason why, because Brexit is causing uh, bad Cypriot weather. Yeah, indeed. Yep, you're probably right. They're probably all Cypriot. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking at the time and I must check in on the, the internet in a minute because I believe that MPs are voting at the moment. Um, and today's a bank holiday here in, in sunny Cyprus, or should I say oh. rain-sodden Cyprus. Uh, <laughs> Damp Cyprus. Yeah, it's, the, it's the 64th uh, anniversary of the Eoka uprising. Uh, I'm not going to try and say what Eoka stands for because it's very long and very Greek. But um, those uh, those were the bad boys who, in uh, 1955, went uh, look seriously. Britain, go away. Um, we'd we'd quite like to be independent, or indeed part of Greece. But that's in a whole other conversation. Uh, so for four years, they they had a, a little insurgent. Um, so they were terrorists for four years, uh, and then they won. So they became freedom fighters. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it's it's all a big celebration. Of course, ninety five percent of the Brits we just went around. Oh, look, it's a bank holiday! Isn't that lovely? Um, whereas it was sort of a bank holiday celebrating throwing us out. Uh, little, <laughs> little did they know we were all going to come back with grey hair and Zimmer frames, um, and and sort of just colonise them another way. Poor folk, honestly. Uh, so yeah, there's uh, all sorts of partying going on. And it's the second bank holiday weekend in a row. Uh, mm, which is, very nice. That's the way to do it, isn't it? Right? Just keep them Absolutely. coming. And what about you? Have you been up to anything good? Yeah, I've kind of made a few changes, made a few uh, gambits to see what would happen. Uh, so I've been posting daily on uh, Instagram for Wooden Graphite just to see what it does and checking. There's some nice insight tools. You can see some of the metrics. So I figured, you know what? I'm not doing nearly enough in terms of social media stuff. And uh, I've got lots of cool pencils and notebooks and things to show off. So let's stick them up on Instagram. Instagram's a really cool platform. I really enjoy using it. And so I've been putting up a post for about a week now, one a day. Uh, it's not a lot of time or effort, but it's interesting. It's helpful. And uh, it's nice to share. And I'm getting some good click-throughs. And there's a lot of metric nonsense in there. Uh, so it is helping. And people are looking at videos. But most of all, it's nice to engage with people and, and show off some of the stuff I'm working with. And it gives me that little 
it almost brings me back to, to oh yeah i do like pencils and you can kind of play with them and take photos and it just reignites that that passion in little individual moments each day yeah for sure it's nice isn't it just uh as you say you start exploring uh posting about it and suddenly you find i mean but maybe this is just me i suddenly find myself disappearing down a rabbit hole of of notebooks in my case um mm. but i did it the other day i um um started sort of arranging a, a pencil not pencil but a pen holder and four hours later i was still there playing with ink and oh, <laughs> such a time yeah, the rabbit hole beckons yeah <clears throat> but still um but yeah, the other thing I've been doing is I exported the first five episodes of 1857 as videos and I sorted out the 1857 YouTube channel okay. and I'm going to hopefully get those up shortly. So a little bit of feedback would be nice from the slackers, especially what order is best. Should we start with the most recent and go backwards? Should we start with the oldest and come forwards? What's should I start at both ends and meet in the middle? I don't know what, what, what works, what way do people want to listen? There's as of this episode, 63 to get through. Good so Lord. it's quite a lot of work. Um, but I've got the first five done and they're uploaded. And probably by the time this comes out, they will be live. Probably going to show them to Slackers first. So they'll probably see it before this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see, have I missed anything? Is there anything dumb? Is it all working okay? Uh, but from there, I think I'll try and do a couple every week. And uh, then I'll catch up and then I can just make it part of the, the process to export a video version as well. So how does it work? It's just a a logo with a, the soundtrack, is it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the audio from our episode, the same as you'd have if you went onto our website, and uh, just a still image of 1857. But I had several people actually ask for it specifically. Uh, okay. And I know some people watch and listen to things very different ways, so they yeah. may want to, you know, in work, open up a YouTube page and listen on their headphones rather than having to connect their phone or whatever. So... I don't think we're going to put ads on it. I don't think we're going to do any of that nonsense. It's just another avenue for the content we've already done. So we'll see. And it's another it's another hosting of it, right? So something happens and, and Simplecast goes up in flames. Then at least there's another place hosting all the episodes so people can go listen. Yeah, so it's like a, it's like a uh, YouTube as a podcaster listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. I've seen it quite a few times for different things. So I, I live and learn. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, are we there? Uh, are we almost? At- uh, oh, it's a bit early. Yeah, I think we're at, we're at the credit. It is early. Yeah, it's very early. Da- Dave will be do. a bit annoyed. He's going to feel shortchanged. <laughs> slim episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bye, Dave. Hi, Meg. <laughs> Hi, Meg. Bye, Dave. Go, go and go do something legal. Go, go sort them out. <laughs> go get them. <laughs> so, what are we talking about today, TJ? Well, I chose the the title for this episode. Uh, because I'm a huge Simpsons fan. So the title of this episode, as you can probably read, is Knifey Spoonie, which is a reference to a Simpsons episode from a long time ago. Did you watch the clip that I sent you? I did indeed, because I had no idea what you were talking about. (laughs) Uh, Are you a fan of the Simpsons? Did you watch the Simpsons? Is it familiar, unfamiliar? Whenever I've sort of accidentally caught it, I've always thought it's hysterically funny and very clever. (laughs) Old Simpsons is great. Old old school Simpsons. Like this is probably uh Bart versus Australia. I don't know, like nineties, early nineties. Uh, and there's a scene where they're sitting in this this pub in Australia and Bart's playing with a flick knife and this Australian guy comes over and says, that's not a knife. This isn't a knife. And he shows him a spoon and he goes, That's a spoon. But ah, you know what that reference is. Knifey spoony you? before. 
Oh, yeah, it's a crocodile, Dundee. Yeah, okay. Gaff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the Simpsons are, are lampooning that delightfully with their their horrible, horribly offensive Australian accents. Um, but yeah, every time I, someone posts about knives and EDC, all I can think is knifey spoony. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I thought it was an appropriate episode title. And in fairness, Australians don't generally get offended. They just laugh along. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah, this episode is about uh, knives. Uh, those those sharp things you you done keep in your pocket sometimes uh, and eat your dinner with, um, and I thought it'd be interesting. There's a lot of people talk about it. It's a big part of the EDC scene to have blades and and pistols and uh, RPGs and uh, fifty cal mounted <laughs> machine guns. You know th- those kind of normal everyday carry things. Yeah. Yep. Um, to defend and the both kitchen. of us <laughs> to defend the the civil rights of the uh, living room. Uh, both of us being from the UK. I don't think it's something we really think of in a defensive way at all. Uh, it's always been very much, like, oh, that would be helpful. I could sharpen a pencil or open a package or pick my teeth. I don't know what, but there's a very different attitude. I think we've talked about this in an earlier episode. Mm. There's a very different attitude between the um, United States and most of Europe with this. thing. There's, there's certain exceptions, but certainly I have a lot of knives. I have a lot of blades. Um, I rarely take any of them anywhere most of them are for the house or for projects or for indeed just collection because they're really nice uh, but i have uh, as of last count nine or ten i think that are, are reasonable ones um and I've, I've written a little list here which we'll get into but, that's that's um, um, quite a high number for a casual interest mr cosgrove well see i didn't buy very many of them two of them are vintage and I bought because they don't exist in large numbers and I really wanted them. Uh, one I bought as an actual EDC knife. Uh, one I bought when I was on holiday camping because I needed it. Uh, one was given to me by my dad. One was given to me by my grandfather. And two of them I think I got in like charity shops or estate sales or something with a bunch of other stuff. So I didn't explicitly buy them. I just sort of bought stuff that included them. So they're not, I don't have a collection of 15 knives that I carry on my person at all times. You just have, but have a collection a, of 10 a small. that are never more than two feet from your right hand. Well, I have a little box. A little, It's actually on the desk right now. I can hear it. Here's, here's live sound effects. That is a box of knives uh, that I keep in my locker in the office. And I have them all sitting here. And uh, yeah, I, I don't use them very often, but I do like them an awful lot. But I thought it'd be interesting for us to chat about knives and blades and, and A, where we see them in an EDC, if at all. And uh, also, if you if you got to pick one, what are you picking? Okay, yeah. I mean, I got into it uh, to knives quite late. I think um, I never used to sort of have any interest in them. Um, and then when I started doing a bit more hiking, uh, I went out and bought a uh, a Swiss Army knife. You know, something that would just handle everything. Um, yep. And and the great thing about Swiss Army knives, in my experience of them, is that they uh, have an attachment or a blade or a a thing to do absolutely everything. Uh, none of which works. <laughs> yeah, everything badly. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> if if I was to try and think of a worse screwdriver than a, a Swiss Army knife, I would struggle. Um, but I suspect that that's actually all to do with me rather than the knife. Um, there's a reason that it's a classic, uh, and I'm not. Um, 
but I do, um, when did I get this? I got this about four or five years ago. I bought uh, an Opinel, um, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, that uh, people will know it's sort of iconic French brand. Yep. Um, very, very simple. Uh, so the the knife folds out. Um, this one is the, the Opinel 8, which is uh, eight centimeter blade. Took hours to come up with a name, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and the there's a sort of collar on the knife that you just turn, which effectively locks the knife. Uh, so you then have, uh, it's a picnic knife, really, to be honest. Um, I use it for, uh, if I'm hiking and I need to cut anything, <laughs> who would have thought it for a knife? Um, and actually, probably mostly it gets done for, for parcels, as you say, for opening parcels and splitting tape. Uh, but I never take it out with me. Um, it's got a little holster, so I can attach it to my belt. Um, but I've never really felt the need to have a, a knife at my belt. Um, no, it's it's a strange one. Yeah, and uh, it's funny. It's funny when I saw the episode title, I thought, "Oh, knives, knives." Let's talk about knives. Uh, and then suddenly, the BBC sort of exploded into a conversation about knives. There's a there's a there's a summit. At Downing Street, as we speak, about knife crime uh, in the United Kingdom, mm. it's all going absolutely very, very terrible, serious. terrible, terrible. And don't get me wrong; I mean, it is the idea that sort of young, youngish, uh, you know, kids from I don't know ten to to eighteen are going out and stabbing each other for recreation. Um, it scares me, um, and certainly the the media coverage is is horrific. There have been a lot of um, of attacks uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, particularly in London, uh, and it's horrible, you know. And I, I really feel for anybody that's that's sort of been on the wrong end of that. It's terrible, and it, it's a big social thing. I don't think it's a, you know, it's it's a one a one week. Okay, let's all have a chat and fix this. It's going to take a lot more than that. Um, although, as I was um, sort of thinking all of this, I thought, well, what are the numbers? And I had a look, and you know, in the grand scheme of things, horrible though this might be to say, there were 285 knife deaths in the United Kingdom, which is, uh, last year, which is 285 too many, of course. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's a, well, I don't know, a tenth of the amount of deaths from road traffic accidents. Um, I'm, I'm not even going to get into American statistics. Obviously, there aren't an awful lot of knife deaths in in America because everybody's got a gun in their pocket. Um, but it, it it's terrible. But I don't think it's as perhaps as bad as the media would would have us understand it at the moment. Although of course it could get that way. Um, but it seems that there's a culture growing up in in the UK, certainly in the cities of the UK, that you're not safe unless you're carrying. Um, and that. That's kind of scary, because that yeah that absolutely you know that I suppose ends up with then you get to the point where you're not safe unless you've got a gun, and then you're not safe unless you've got an automatic gun, and then you're not safe until you've got an automatic gun with a bump stock and a grenade launcher, and and the whole thing just you know escalates and escalates and escalates until we're all carrying tactical nuclear weapons. Um, and I'm not quite sure how you how you resolve all of that. 
Um, and I'm not sure it's really the, the subject of this episode. But there is undoubtedly a fascination with a good knife. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm thinking of a couple of people in the Slack who, um, you know, would not fit the profile of knife-carrying hoodlum. Although, in fairness, there's a couple of people in the Slack who would fit that profile too. But, um, you know, people who like knives for the craft craftsmanship in, in making them for the the beauty of them is that the correct phrase is that is that yeah the man the, the sort of ability and talent in constructing something and the aesthetic lines of it i can totally appreciate that i mean what clearly people even if you don't like knives there are people that think you do tj because they keep giving them to you <laughs> yeah that's true um so i have a lot all right the, the, the two that i primarily bought uh, there, it's an ever-ready razor blade holder and a valet utility knife. As featured in both. Brighton Rock. I <laughs> <laughs> slashed in. Oh, good. <laughs> so these are little small uh, rectangular fold-out uh, blades. They hold a standard razor blade. Well, mm-hmm. one of them holds a standard razor blade. One of them holds a, a 1940s razor blade, uh, which I had to buy in bulk mm-hmm. from eBay because they don't make it anymore. Um, they're really, really nice just to exactly what you think it's a razor blade and it clips in and then the little metal thing locks down on it mm-hmm. and it f- sort of flips and you can use them one of them has a hole in it to be used as a like a cigar cutter presumably so you can sort of cut the end off your cigar mm-hmm. um really nice action they're they're probably 50s or 60s the pair of them uh, i picked them up for know, less than a fiver each in their various uh, charity shops and junk stores around northern ireland and they're really, really lovely. They're they're wonderful pieces of craftsmanship. Uh, someone's put a lot of time and effort into it. It's the kind of thing you would have had in your pocket or on a chain uh, and very much been a utility item. There's not really any reason to use this defensively. You could, I mean, with anything sharp, you could use it defensively, but that is absolutely not the purpose of this in any way. It is not an intimidating knife. It is just a very practical one. Uh, so I have two of those. Uh, one's slightly larger and more uh, sort of, utilitarian the other smaller and more ornate but they're both very nice and those are the kind of two that i have bought for myself because i really wanted them when they were totally collectible items rather than practical items i do use them on occasion but for the most part they are just in the house and i'll use them to open a package or sharpen a pencil every now and again uh, the only knife i've ever bought for edc is a spiderco bug a knife that if ever used in an intimidating fashion uh I think you would be laughed out of the the dark alley that you're in. It is diminutive would be kind. It is not a very big knife. Uh, it's like, I don't know, maybe an inch and a half long total. That's unfolded. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really tiny. The idea of it is that it's a tiny, tiny knife. Um, it is non-locking. It's under three inch blades. So it means it's legal in the UK for me to carry it. I don't typically carried it a couple of times when i'm sharpening pencils or opening packages but generally don't bother but that's the only knife i've ever bought for the idea of actually carrying it and i deliberately find the smallest most innocuous innocent looking children's toy version of a knife that i could find because the idea of carrying something scary spooky with tactical edges and and blood rivet sidings and all this nonsense is just if it's weird it freaks me out um I have a few more. Uh, I've got one that was a, a green sod cutter, which is a quite a traditional sort of flip knife. Like it just clicks out. It doesn't lock or anything that you'd use for camping. I bought it in a camp store here when I was camping. 
Um, and I got a couple that were given to me. So one was my dad's old BB knife. Uh, one was a little butterfly knife that my late grandfather gave to me about 10 years ago. It's really tiny. It's really blunt. Uh, but it's sort of the butterfly style, so it has a little folding piece that, that folds out. Mm-hmm. It's a very pretty piece, really nicely made, but I think you'd struggle to butter toast with this thing. It is not blunt at all. Um, <laughs> not blunt at all, not sharp at all. Not sharp, it, neither. <laughs> it's it's like a spoon with a, a sharp end. Um, but yeah, it's it's sentimental value, so I never carry that because I feel no need to. I just like owning it and looking at it but it's not something I would ever put in my pocket to take out with me. Yeah. Um, I, and then I, yeah. It, I mean, it's ironic. The, I mean, the reason that I, I bought a knife and that I would sort of generally carry a knife, I can never use it for because most of my hiking is abroad. Um, and yeah, always, you can fly with it. yeah, it always involves a plane. And when I'm hiking by definition, I'm traveling light. So it's, uh, it's hand luggage only, which means no blades. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to buy airport open L's and then chuck them, give them away, leave them in hostels. Well, yeah, there's a lot of that that goes on, you know. I mean, it's the same with, uh, you know, walking poles. Uh, I have some some walking poles, which I, I use on sort of hilly stages. And, you know, I'm they're, they're collapsible. They sort of, you know, telescope into it. And I'm going to sort of hide them in my bag and hope that I can carry them because some airlines won't allow you to take them. Lest you why? Because well, offensive. lest you yeah, lest you take on the entire aircraft with a sort of collapsible carbon fiber pole with a bit of rubber at the end. Uh, what about crutches? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, or you know, in fairness, my fist is is more effective as a as a lethal weapon than than one of those would be, <laughs> and I'm probably better at throwing it as well. But um, yeah. airline security is airline security, I suppose. I remember flying business class a couple of years ago, uh, maybe a year ago for work, and it was the first time I've ever flown business class, and they had a real knife and fork, and I kind of did a double take. I was like, "Is this legal? Am I allowed to have this <laughs> to eat my soup Look, and my steak?" If you can, if you can afford business class, you're not going to blow <laughs> the airplane up, <laughs> obviously. But yeah, it was very, very, very alarming. I remember, you know, pre nine eleven, I remember flying on the aircraft and, and having normal uh, knives and forks. Um, but yeah, this is a very weird sensation of, ah, that's something I've not seen in a very long time. Oh, I But uh, I'm all for safety precautions and, and being overly cautious rather than under, underly cautious. So I don't begrudge it, but it is interesting. Yeah, do you want me to show my age? I remember having to sit in the smoking section of planes so that my <laughs> mum and dad could smoke. <laughs> uh, which is something that I suspect you never experienced. Uh, no, no. I mean, I... I Flying cylinders full of um, pestilence are not my favorite place at the best of times. Uh, pairing that with um, carcinogens is probably not the best approach. Oh, it's a, it's a lovely atmosphere. It was that rem- Hotboxing the entire plane. That's it, exactly. Uh, everybody came off there with a slight dependency on nicotine. Um. <laughs> Can you imagine the walls? The walls would be just yellow. Oh, yeah. Just- no, but I mean, aircraft, aircraft were. I mean, they really were. Um, trains oh. as well. Oh, trains into into London, the old-fashioned little trains, where you would have, uh, you know, the they're sort of the whole side of the train is doors, uh, uh-huh. and there were tiny little carriages. That's what, well, not carriages, um, compartments within carriages, and so you'd have, you know, maybe eight people sitting, so four 
you're on a little bench essentially facing four people. So four of you going forwards and four of you going backwards. And you'd be sitting there almost knee to knee, everybody with a cigarette. Um, it, yeah, it really was something. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a reformed smoker. I don't smoke anymore, but, um, I actually shudder at the thoughts of those things now because I, I'm not a complete sort of born again, you know, somebody lights up two and a half miles away and I start coughing and fanning myself. But, um, <laughs> if, if I am in a smoky environment, I do feel it. I'm, I'm properly a non-smoker now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was absolutely everywhere when I was growing up. Just, I remember smoking in bars. That was the, the threshold I remember changing. And I remember going into bars when I was younger and um, not to drink, but to just be around people who were drinking or with family on trips and things like that. Uh, and I remember whenever it changed and the bars didn't change their smell at all for the first like year. Yeah, it took, it took a uh, while. Yeah. Finally, yeah, it finally aired out. Um, but yeah, that that's perhaps showing my age, but. Um, my dad used to have a sign on his office door saying, I won't smoke in your office, but if you come to mine, you better smoke. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, no, honestly, fair. changed days, changed days. So yeah, mm. I mean, my knife, um, it does sort of essentially sit in my desk and get used for, for parcels. I'd love to take it hiking because the Camino and stuff, there, there are times when it would be useful. Um, and often, you know, you will see, um, I'm going to use it, pilgrims wandering around, goes, anybody got any scissors? Has anybody, and nobody has, because we've all come by airplane. And so, <laughs> and so all, all the hostels have, have all that kit. And you just think, oh, but as you say, you know, the alternative is probably yeah, perhaps, perhaps you can buy one and post it home to yourself. And so you can build a collection by buying one out there and then putting it in an envelope and sticking it in the post before you leave. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I, I certainly, I know um, Stu has now, will be on his third walking pole uh, this, this week. <laughs> um, and the other thing, I, something that you, the ever ready that you mentioned, I, a couple of years back, I bought uh, an old fashioned cutthroat razor um, for the startling use of shaving. <laughs> um but that's you know you have to buy the the little blades and uh yeah. change them quite frequently that's something you should give it a go have you, have you tried that cutthroat a long time ago yeah um i'm not really in the market for shaving that much it's more of a, a light trim mm-hmm. um meg won't let me shave she really likes the beard so I, I don't but um i have in the past and you're using this it's the same razor blade as the wee knives i have and it's just a just a flat razor mm. essentially um, and I really enjoyed the experience. Now, this was a cutthroat razor rather than like a safety razor or anything like that. So it's yeah. proper Sweeney Todd style. Yeah, that's what I've got is the and, cutthroat um, that you fold back yeah. against yourself and you look very yep. cool yeah, and yeah. then cut yourself to ribbons. <laughs> it's funny because they're so sharp. What you get is like a, a lateral movement. And then you go, huh? Oh, that's the- oh dear. Yes, there's blood. Okay, excellent. <laughs> okay, that's why people use razor blades. Not not these. They just use big razors. That's That's why we invented those. I don't want to die. Yep, no, um, suddenly my knowledge of trigonometry got so much better. My understanding of what 35 <laughs> degrees was instantly mm-hmm. became clear to me. Oops. Because <laughs> 30, 32 is uh, yep. bleeding and, and 41 is bleeding. So. Exactly. Oh, I've just done it at 20 degrees. Ah, somebody phone an ambulance. Yeah, no. It's, there goes my chin. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah. But uh, I'd like to do it again. I might actually get a safety razor. I think that would be my concession is the, so that's kind of like the T-shaped one where it kind of locks the blade in and gives you a little bit more uh, flex and latitude in the, in the shaving. So you don't immediately slice your face off. But don't, um, don't fall for the PR. Okay. I've got a safety razor and I will take the cutthroat over the safety every time. Really? They are lethal. Okay. <laughs> Unsafety reason. Yeah, I don't know how, how it happens, but so much of that blade is exposed that you have the same the same angle issues. <laughs> it's, it's quite scary stuff, to be honest. Hmm. So when would you put a knife in your pocket? Uh, I was thinking about it today, actually. I might start carrying the spider bug because... It is the least offensive knife I think you can get. I mean, the only different thing I could do is paint it yellow, blue, and red. Some nice primary colors and make it out of plastic. And that would be the only thing that would be slightly less offensive than it currently is. Um, And the only reason would be to sharpen pencils. Because I, I have scissors in my office. I have letter openers in my office. I don't need a knife to open boxes uh, when that actually ever happens. So part of it is... I don't need it. I just don't need it. And if I'm really honest with myself, if I'm really being uh, honest about my EDC, do I really need to stick another thing in my pocket to to lose or forget or or be questioned about? No. I mean, it's one of those things that 99.999% of the time, it'll never be a problem. It'll just be something you have in your pocket. But if you go to the airport or something and you forget, then... Even if it's only a 15, 20 pound knife, you go, oh, it's a faff. I've, got to, I've either got to post this to myself or lose it or try and get some way of putting it in the lock. lock. It's just a hassle that I don't need. Yeah, so it's one sure. of those ones that I, unless I had a massive need for it, I don't see the point of making the concession of carrying it. Um, and that may well change. And I do enjoy knife sharpening, but I just, I don't see the practicalities right now because I have really nice sharpeners, which are very easy to carry. And there's, you know, I held up an Apsara long point sharpener and no one thinks I'm trying to mug them. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, you, you might struggle to mug somebody with one of those. <laughs> well, it's all in the tone. Yep, I'm sure that's true too. You've got the accent for it. <laughs> Every Northern Irishman can oh, sound yeah. menacing if they want to. <laughs> What's that you said? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Talking. Uh, so I have one of those open L's as well. It's down in my kitchen. Um, I can't take it out of the house because it has a lock on it and it is also huge. I don't know what size it is. I can't remember. It might be the eight, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a big, 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 long one. Um, and it's brilliant. I've used it a couple of times for opening packages in the house if they've arrived or um, cutting cable or, or rope in the house as well. So it's really useful. I keep it in my kitchen on the, the cooker hood. So I, I don't mind having a knife around, but that's in my kitchen. I would never take that one out, even camping or picnicking because it is just that's proper like bowie knife uh, crocodile dundee territory well that sounds a bit bigger than an eight yeah it's it's a chunky knife it's lovely i mean the open out ones are gorgeous but um the idea that i would have that in my pocket just as a ah, let me just quickly uh peel this apple like, well, that's no, that's what they're for. The it's, it's the it's the whole French yeah. thing. You're supposed to, you're supposed to be there saying, "I'll just cut this rope." Oh no, hang on. Let me chop the salami. Ah, cheese, you say? Fantastic. Let's make picnic. Somebody has wine. Perfect. That, I mean, that's what they're for. <laughs> they are literally picnic knives. But 
Um, I suppose mm. uh, if you've got the beret and the stripy shirt and the onions around your neck, it probably looks quite a lot less threatening than somebody in blue jeans That'll and a leather it. jacket. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So yeah, I think generally we're we're on the same page with knives. Um, nice to have, not nice to carry. Um, and I, I, I know for a fact there will be people in the Slack and people that are listening at home that say, that is nonsense. That couldn't be further than, from the truth where I live. I don't agree with you. You're wrong. You're silly, silly British people with your, your silly laws and your no arms for bears. Um, but that's that's just the way it is. That's That's how I find it. I don't feel the need to carry it. I never feel unsafe. I've never felt that I would need or want a knife to defend myself. Uh, and so the idea of carrying one for that is is completely beyond the pale for me. So I'm just looking through back through the slack and I, I want to I want to quote Tyler. Tyler, Tyler Dickey, this is your moment. Uh, I, I can't do his uh, accent because I've never heard him speak, but I, he's an American living in London. So there you are, the, the culturally misplaced. And he writes, I quote, I know this is more of a writing utensil group. But I've been using one of these bad boys with my lunches the past few weeks, and I'm a convert. And then the link is https colon slash slash morselspork.com forward slash products <laughs> forward slash morsel dash spork dash one. And this is... The- I'll put that in show notes for anyone that doesn't want to write that out longhand. <laughs> this is the Morsel Spork mini camping travel lunch utensil. This is the smaller version of our flagship Morsel Spork XL. It's 7.5 inches in length and is perfect of travel, meal prep, lunch at work and as a standard length camping utensil. It's got a spoon. It's got a fork. It's got a strong cutting edge. Most important, it's got a spatula-like rubber edge that runs along the... And that's the end of the length. The Morsel Spork XL. Perhaps perhaps I should replace my Oppenel with one of those. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's knifey and That's spoonie. not a knife. Oh my goodness. No, it's a Morsel Spork. <laughs> You've come full circle. It's the knifey spoonie. The knifey spoonie. <laughs> knifey spoonie spatula. Um, and I was, knifey sporky. There you go. I know there was a, there was a whole chat about, uh, about knives because uh, that... Um, evil-looking slacker, Vanessa, had uh, just upped her knife collection. She had a picture that was some sort of... What was it? It was a scimitar or something. It was enormous. (laughs) Uh, If you're not a a member of the Slack, you you have to come along and and meet Vanessa, who um, alternately talks about coming back from playing the organ at choir practice. Uh, and her extensive knife collection. It's brilliant. It's absolutely fascinating and incredible. And our Slack and our Slackers are oh, awesome. some of the most interesting people I've ever met. Absolutely. Or not met in that case. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, in the in the Slack this evening, we went from what are roasties, which is, for anyone that doesn't know, roasties are roast potatoes. Um, and I, I posted a picture. And then we got on to recipes for roasties to the breakfast club. And the uh, the high school that it was filmed at, uh, and then on to serving size stand up. So it's quite the gambit. Absolutely, it just it just goes off in whatever direction it wants to go. 
So yeah, come join the Slack. Send me an email, send Stu an email. We'll get you joined up. Yep, or, or, or even tweet at me or any of those things and I will come back to you saying, send me an email because I don't know how to send you an invite through Twitter. But um, Yeah, leave a, leave a knife embedded in the door <laughs> with a note. <laughs> That's how you get proper access. Uh, one thing that I did um, hear on the, the news today was that Glasgow has had a huge amount of success in cutting its knife crime. And uh, they... And what, what did they do? Well, they did a whole sort of range of things, but they got... Um, they got gang members to attend this thing. I don't know how they did it. Um, where they sort of did the whole carrot and stick approach, where they pointed out to them, you know, we know who you are. We know what you're carrying. Uh, we know why you're carrying it. We are going to stop and search you. We are going to arrest you. And we're going to put you in prison. Or you can look at these things and those things and these things about changing the way that you live. And they brought in whole loads of people who'd been uh, related to victims of knife crime. Uh, they brought in offenders who'd um, sort of moved on and, and been rehabilitated, he said, doing his air quotes thing again. Um, but a whole sort of multi-prong approach because, you know, the, the links between knife crime and poverty and disenfranch disenfranchisement... <laughs> try and say that mm -hmm. after three Carlsbergs um those types of things um but they'd had a massive I mean I think it was like 50 or 60 percent they'd cut it um now wow in fairness Glasgow uh is uh, a pretty tough town and I suspect it was well I know <laughs> it was a lot tougher um and the problem at the moment seems to be focused for the UK is focused around London and some of the um uh, some of the sort of tough northern cities like uh, Bury and Blackburn, where there's, a, I think, a race element as well. Uh, and it has to be said that, you know, it's predominantly um, uh, immigrant populations or black populations in London who, who seem to be having, well, the rough end of many sticks, but also seem to be most deeply troubled by this knife issue, uh, which is obviously really easy to say when you're sort of fat, middle-class white guy, but um it's it is it is horrible when you see it come up on the tv you know somebody's been stabbed and there were 13 or something you know i mean yeah. even if they were a tear away you know it's not acceptable yeah death is it's a bit final isn't it i mean that's not that's not what should happen in a fight and I, you know this week i'm really sad when i was a boy we'd say stick your jukes up and punch each other a couple of times and that'd be that um, no, it wasn't like that. I mean, fights are fights, but uh, this this whole idea that your your kid can go out um, and you know get up to mischief and be be perhaps not the best kid <laughs> that he or she could be, um, and then just not come home. I mean, that's just oh, it's terrifying. It's horrible. Um, and that is something that I think if you are going to pay loads of government type people to do stuff. That's what they should be doing. Yeah. Not sitting around talking nonsense about other stuff. <laughs> Current events in Westminster notwithstanding. Yes, indeed. I was just thinking, <laughs> can, I, can I quietly open Twitter and see what has actually happened in Westminster now? I'm on the BBC News site at the minute. Um, there are 121,193 people with me. Um, uh, and yeah, the tweets are coming in. The 
I don't know. It, it just looks like a bunch of nothing so far, which is kind of the same thing that's happened for the last two years. Well, no, it's the weirdest thing. They're having a bunch of indicative votes again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, why? Well, it, it, it's so that we can all reach consensus. Okay. Have you thought about involving the European Union in that consensus? Because, you know, you can agree what you want, but unless you can get the other side to agree, it's fairly pointless. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, TJ. What are we going to do with these people? Mm. Well, knives aren't the answer anyway, unless you're going camping. No, indeed, they certainly aren't. Um, but no, I, I, I remember looking at that um, uh, discussion that went up in Slack, and occasionally I post things uh, on Instagram with a hashtag EDC. Which is a mistake on social media. If you're if you're posting uh, notebooks, because you then get bombarded with a load of comments about, well, where's your gun? Where's your knife? <laughs> where's your AC one thirty gunship support? Yeah, all that I stuff. Mean, do you not leave the house like, like, without a warthog? <laughs> have you not thought about personal security? Well, hang on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is a thing, isn't it? It is a huge thing, and uh, like I say that. You look at the websites that sell knives. I mean, obviously, it's a limited amount that you can you can do, but um, they are very aspirational. They're very design led. Uh, there's a lot about the craft, and um, it's it's a very in thing, isn't it? Hmm. It's that kind of craftsman, blacksmithy, kind of uh, manufactured but small scale. Um, what do you call it? Artisanal. That's the word. And it, it's in, it's funky, it's it's people want it because it's cool and it makes them feel a certain way and they can aspire to have a lifestyle that they don't currently have by buying things that would allow them to do this stuff when they could just go out and do this stuff. And we're all guilty of this, we're all guilty of going, ah, oh, buy that knife and then I'll be an outdoors person. Like, Man, no you wouldn't, because you, you don't own a tent and you stay inside all the time. Mm. So you'll just be a person who stays inside all the time with a knife. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Mm. Well, it's, but, it's no weirder than being obsessed with pencils or pens. At the end of the no, day. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I think there's a lot to be said about the craftsmanship and about the, the craft. I think it's really interesting. But that doesn't necessarily translate, uh, at least in the world that I live in, into something that I want to put in my pocket every single day. Because if I'm being really honest with myself, I just have no need for it. If I had to, if I had to go through everything I carry in my pocket and say, how many times do you use that in a week? The knife would be, I don't know, one, maybe less than one. You know, whereas other things, my wallet, my phone, my headphones, my my watch, every single day, multiple times a day, several times an hour, in fact, sometimes. You know, that's far better use of my time and effort and money than than something that is aspirational but effectively useless to me. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so we're we're both going to get sporks, a spork, uh, and we can, uh, yeah, could, morsel XL combo pack. I could probably sneak one of those onto an aircraft. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it, yeah, it looks, it is, a, it is a spoon, for all intents and purposes. Um, but yeah, we could get tactical sporks and then just post those on on our EDCs. Yeah, we could. But the question that everybody wants to know, TJ, is what bag would you be carrying it in? <laughs> uh, the bag chat the bag chat returns I haven't done any more thinking 
in any kind of meaningful manner. I haven't done any meaningful votes on the matter. Um, <laughs> Which are non-binding and indicative only. Yeah. And do not include the other side. Yeah. Bags it. Bags it 2020. Um, I'm not sure. I'm still assessing the options. I'm still tempted by the away bags. I'm still tempted by the Tom Bin or maybe like a North Face type job. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, I've been carrying the same tote bag and I might actually tomorrow I've got some things to take in so I think I'll maybe take my my nice sort of over the shoulder bag uh, but just unladen with a laptop just the normal stuff but yeah it, it's a developing issue one that is far too complex for me to comment on it at this point I'm still seeing a sort of you know canvas leather sort of messenger shouldery type thing right that's what I have I currently have one of those a really nice one yeah. Um, but I need. I think I want two straps. I want the backpack, but whether that is a a backpack that I currently own or a backpack that is similar to what I own, or an entirely different thing, is is still to be decided. Well, there we go. You heard it here first, folks. We still don't know. <laughs> Story of my life. Look, I've been Stuart Lennon, and I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past the present in the future. This was 1857.